This is the Critical Conversations podcast, a KPOV special project developed to feature unique perspectives and the courage it takes to go there, challenge mundane thought, and question the norm. Our guest today is Sally Griffin. She is a happily retired resident in Redmond, Oregon. Before retiring, Sally was a teacher and a counselor and an AVID AVID curriculum specialist for California State. Region 10. She has five California teaching credentials, including history, social studies, elementary education, offices services, and related technologies and counseling. Wait, there's more. Sally has her AA in business, a BA in history from California State University, San Bernardino, and an MA in economics and entrepreneurship from the University of Delaware. Sally has no trouble speaking for herself. To me, that's a sign of being genuine and authentic. Sally hit the high point. Sally's going to hit the high points and reveal what, what makes up part of your inside story and why you care so deeply about education. I have a little faux pas there. We're going to talk about Sally's inside story a little bit. So, Sally, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I came to education late. I didn't start teaching till I was 40. I didn't start school until I was in my 40th year. Uh, I had been an entrepreneur. Um, I was with the partners, uh, started a lunch business for the U.S. Forest Service, the California Department of Forestry, the BLM, all sorts of assorted uh, groups. We did that for 15 years. At one time, we were the largest supplier of emergency lunches in the United States. One year, we did 71,000 lunches, one time 7,000 in one day. Um, I, we also took the money from that, and we bought a liquor store. And I have to tell you that... Owning a liquor store was probably one of the greatest training, probably is the greatest training I ever had for being a school teacher. I, I love the kids. I, I admired my colleagues. I think that I probably don't belong teaching elementary. I love the high school kids. They're just at that wonderful age. But I have some concerns. Um, I um, think being in Oregon, I love Oregon, been here for almost 20 years, um, I'm concerned because I don't know where Oregon's going to get its future teachers. I think that's a United States problem completely around the country, but especially in the math and sciences. It's not appropriate for a librarian, say, to teach calculus. Just because a teacher has a teaching credential, they always need to be an expert in their field. Um, I'm particularly concerned about Oregon because they're going to be competing with other states that pay so much more. Uh, I was not able to look up Redmond's pay scale, but Redmond tops out, uh, the town of Selwood tops out at 15 years with a master's plus 45 at 87,000 a year. In my district in Riverside Unified, and it's not a rich district. It's not Palm Springs. It's not Malibu. It's not that. You would top out at 120000 That's a huge difference. And if you think it costs that much more to live in California, you are wrong. I know that because I've lived there for a lot of years and still have property there. I, I don't know where you're going to get science and math teachers. My daughter did her math degree. She... Um, 
Am I okay? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, she got her math degree. She did her student teaching. She had wonderful reviews, and it came to getting a job, and she was doing accounting work, and she says, Mom, I can't afford to take a $50,000 cut in wage, and that is in California, where the pay scale is that much higher to start. I don't know what we're going to do in Oregon, and our kids deserve the best. They deserve experts in their field they're they're going to hopefully go on to university or community college and any kind of job they want they're going to need math in today's world we have to be competitive with the world um one of the things world competitiveness i was in china and beijing when they were doing the national test so kids can go to college those people there they put their kids up in hotels for three and four weeks sometimes so they can study as a group to be competitive and to get into their schools as well as ours the other thing i'm um considered uh difficulty about is the added difficulty for boys in our schools We have to realize that boys are physically different than girls, and they learn at a different rate. And to start boys at five years old into kindergarten is just not appropriate. Girls and school is set up for girls. We have done so well once we are allowed to perform. Let's face it, initially white upper class males were the only people that went to colleges. Now that's turned completely around and women are the dominant in schools. And we have known this for 30 years. We have known that now all the medical schools, all of the graduate schools are heavily female. And our boys are being left behind and part of it's because we're starting them too early. They get frustrated, they have more energy, they're highly uh, judged to be ADHD. And it's just because they they don't sit still yet. Their brains aren't grown enough to do that. And we need to understand that. I believe Sweden starts all of its kids at seven. My own grandsons, I told my son to start them later, and he did and had worked out very well. It's sad, but the ability to do that falls heavily on poor people or single moms and things like that. They need to get their kids in the school system and get them out so they can work. My own brother, who is in his 70s now, Long Beach City, had a program, and it was called Junior First. And so when kids went to kindergarten, if they didn't perform very well or they weren't ready to go on, they went to another year of what would be kindergarten over again. Uh, this is something we really need to think about. And there's a great book out called Of Boys and Men by Richard Reeves. And it is wonderful. Anybody with sons, grandsons, even any male should read it and understand where some of their problems may have started in elementary school. Um, most kids get out of high school and then they go, what? They don't have a plan. And It's hard when you're a school counselor, a high school counselor, your ultimate job, your umbrella job is to get them out of high school. But that should not be our quest. It should be to give them a future. And I don't think everybody should go to college, but I certainly think that they should have the choice when they walk across the stage. They should be ready if they so so desire. Most people start jobs out of high school because they know somebody who is in a field and gets them a job, or dad has a business and gets them a job. Uh, High schools should, we should have changed our focus. High schools should 
should be a ready focus. Or, or do you want to be an auto mechanic? That's great. Let's be an auto mechanic. But let's get you to the right school. Let's not send you to a for-profit college. Let's send you to one of the community colleges that focus on those sort of things. And there are plenty of them, and they're good, and they're cheap. You know, and um, the trade unions. The electrical, electrical. my dad was a, a union electrician. My my husband was a union sheet metal worker. Sure, you have to go to school f- two nights a week for four years or five years. And that's daunting to some young men and women, but it shouldn't be. It's not that hard. You, if you're going to be a sheet metal worker, I know my husband had to go through trig. And this is going to segue in. If your kids are taking electives to get out of high school and you're only filling a slot and you're, you're a warm body in the class, that is not challenging your kids. You need to put them in an additional math class, an additional science class, an additional language arts class, foreign language, something. They don't have to take, um, you know, ceramics four. They need to take something that will help them in the future. And if you don't demand that, you will not get it. Sometimes it's a big secret that counselors put kids in college classes and high school classes to keep that teacher in a job. That's not our job. Our, t- our job as educators is to benefit the kids. I had a wonderful principal. Every question, when you came to her, she said, what's best for the kids? And, you know, they found places for those other teachers to go. I think one of the problems with voc-ed is the pay scale again. And it's going to be even worse in Oregon. Why would you go and get a teaching credential to teach auto shop at a high school when you can make twice the money being an auto mechanic? Nursing is the same way. They're having a horrid time getting nursing teachers because... They can make so much more money as a nurse. Um, what's the other things? Welding, things like that. You just, it's constantly that you're finding the teachers to teach these vocational classes is becoming a huge shore. Additionally, as cars evolve and become more and more sophisticated, those kids are going to have to have computer skills. There's another class you could put them in, another elective, but it make it computer um, you can't hire an auto teacher for under a hundred thousand. You can't even under probably under a hundred and twenty thousand because they can make that in the real world. And why should they not? Why should they teach school? Um, and most places you have to have a teaching credential to teach any class, including vocation. So that's one of my educate. That's one of my de- uh, credentials is in vocational ed. I touched on the voca- uh, the competition from the world at large for our students. I have a lot. Of, I've had people say, "Well, I just want to go back to, you know, um, when we were t- teaching." Uh, I hear people say, "Well, we're not teaching the truth anymore." Let me tell you, I went to school in the fifties and didn't teach us the truth either. Uh, Amen. <laughs> we were. We. Were, I'm a history nut, and when I was in school, they didn't mention that China and Russia were on our side in World War II. They told us that pilgrims fed the Indians. Excuse me, it was the other way around. They didn't talk about um, the the atrocities we put on upon the Native American population. And some people in this country want to go back. I say we always keep teach kids the truth. 
The truth works. The truth works every single day. And if you're afraid of the truth, you shouldn't have children. I'm that blunt. Um, option for you, I, th- I think um, one of the things I would suggest is to pay attention to your students' school by communicating with their teachers. And I don't just mean go to the once-a-year teacher conferences. I mean communicate with them. In today's world, there's no reason you shouldn't. I also say you should sit a day or more in classes with your student. There's nothing against, they cannot keep you from it. You have to call and make arrangements, but you can sit all the way through your students. And I say this about high school, it's very important. If your son or daughter comes home and is whining about, oh, how terrible their teacher is and how this and that, okay, go to school, go to classes with them every day, every period for a week or so and see what you see about what's going on. Believe me, the teachers will love you. I did this with my daughter when she was having attendance problems. I followed her every day for a few days and sat in the quad at lunchtime. And I know this was uh, particularly embarrassing to her and I didn't care because she was going to be in class. Her husband, my husband and I went to work every day and she could, school is her job. And she never skipped a day again. And I told her, I told Steve here, I said, I told her at the end of that week, I said, well, Shelly, um, if this happens again and you're not attending, the next time I follow you around the classes, I will be wearing a robe and slippers and big curlers will be in my hair. And if you don't think that's the truth, you don't know me. And she said, yes, mom, she was never absent again. Uh, Say what you mean and mean what you say and follow through. Also, when you go to your student's school, go in their bathroom and see how clean it is. If the school doesn't respect those kids, then don't. uh, You need to complain. That's how I picked the school I wanted to do my student teaching at. I went into my own kid's school. And I could take a pencil eraser and write my name in the filth at the back of the toilet. Of course, I had a few words to say about that. But the school I chose was the lowest socioeconomic, but it had the cleanest bathrooms for the kids. And I thought, that tells me what they think of their students. Uh, These are are all common sense issues, by the way. And I'm glad that you take that really basic approach at just dealing with the problem. Thank you. That's what parents should do. That's right. And don't be afraid of the school. Don't be afraid of the teachers. Don't be afraid of the board. Go to the board meetings. Uh, Communicate with the administrators administrators at your student's school. You know, especially... Don't wait till there's a problem. Make, make your kids know that you care. That's another thing. I had parents say to me, well, they're in high school now. They should be able to make their own decisions. They're, I've worked so hard to get them here. I'm just kind of tired, and they're grown up. They are not. This is the most vulnerable period of their life. This is when every single thing, um, sex, sex, love, and rock and roll, I mean, this is when it comes to face them, and this is where you really need to be diligent. Um, Do not be afraid to communicate with the administration at the district office. And if you have a problem, you you are their customer. You are their tax 
<laughs> you pay taxes. This is something you have a right to talk about, and you should. And also, another thing, be a, um, a monitor on field trips. See what your kids are behaving like. And these kids are wonderful. I want to tell you, I have people all the time say, how did you do high school? I mean, you should get combat pay. My <laughs> kids were wonderful. And I didn't have any trouble with discipline. I didn't have any trouble... How could they be any different than a liquor store? I mean, I've been called everything. My mother's been called everything. I don't care. There isn't anything you can say to me that I haven't heard. And kids kids respect honesty. Once again, teach them the truth, and they will, will love it. And treat them like adults. Treat them like adults, and they rise to the occasion. If you rise, your expectations of them are high, they will rise to that. And I, I had some grief from other teachers. I let my kids have all the food and, and drink they wanted in my classroom as long as they kept up after themselves. I am not your mother. You clean up your mess or everybody loses that right. And you know what? I never had another problem. I did have a problem with other teachers because they didn't like it. It's my classroom. It's a benevolent dictatorship. I don't care. <laughs> you know, I eat at odd times. And growing boys and girls, they're, they're hungry. They're growing. Um, if... Challenge your student to take rigorous classes. Your kids are capable of it. I had a mom say, um, gee, to her daughter, kid raised her hand. My mom says that this is the toughest class she ever took. You know, and I said, well, good that your mom lets you take that. You know, you could be smarter than your mom. You probably aren't. I'm the best darn accounting teacher ever. I didn't, yeah, I wasn't, but. That you know, then you got to sell yourself, and you got to sell the kids. Don't tell them that it's terrible and math is awful and everything, and they have math phobia. They'll pass their driver's license test in a heartbeat. They just need to spend more time. If you're not good at math, you're not good at math. You just spend the hours. It's, it's not you know, it's not that hard. And you know, the greatest generation went into World War II with an eighth grade education. They came out and they went to college and they were hugely successful from eighth grade, skipping high school, going to Normandy Beach. That was, college was easy compared to that. You have to remember that, that uh, George Armstrong Custer graduated from uh, West Point, one of the finest military academies in the world. And an Indian who could not read or write beat the socks off him. And that's how... You have to look at this world. Uh, college isn't, isn't a measure of intelligence if you want your kids to go. It's a measure of perseverance. It's doing what you have to do when you have to do it, whether you like it or not. And you have to verify what you say. That's another thing, critical thinking. I read where Texas isn't allowing to teach critical thinking to their kids. What the heck do you want them to do? Just take what some petty dictator says as gospel? I'm sorry. They need to learn. They need to validate what they believe. They need to, ha you know, the good thing about college, you're going to have, you can't say anything without a foundation for it. You better footnote, you better have resources. And that critical thinking is really, really important for success in this life. Because there's plenty of people out there that want to take your kids' money and your money. And they are ready to do it, and they will sound very good. I thought the worst thieves we ever had that came in the liquor store were guys in three-piece suits. 
<laughs> well, I have to say, Sally, and uh, because we meet with a, another group on uh, Monday mornings that I refer to as the elders of Redmond, and uh, Sally has, has partook of that meeting on a number of occasions, and it's always a pleasure to hear her speak because she just gets right straight to the point. And I think that that's probably uh, one of the aspects of education that is, we all, we all are a little bit timid, and I think uh, in looking at school board members, you actually need to know who your school board members are yeah. from a standpoint of communicating communication and connection to your children and you know i learned a lot at the last meeting i didn't realize that the superintendent was basically a buffer between the school board and the teachers and the rest of the administration and when you really look at things in that regard it gives you a much clearer picture of what school board members do i'd like to say another thing that hint help your kids grow up financially when you sit down to write, and I know people don't write checks now, but you sit with a computer to pay your bills or whatever, let them see the electric bill. Let them see. Many, many parents won't do that because they're afraid, they're embarrassed because they have to put off paying the electric bill this month so they can buy groceries. This is a lesson your kids need because when they walk off the stage with their... their um, Diploma. We want them to think about what they want in this life and how they're going to afford it. And if they have no clue what it costs to keep a household going, how do you expect them to make right, reasonable decisions? You can't. And I, I had lessons where I had kids buy houses at different interest rates and cars and it opened their eyes. They'd go home and tell their mom, do you know how much you're really paying for that house? You're paying three times for that house at 8% interest. You know, um, and those are things we need to share with our kids and we're embarrassed to do it and we should not do that. They're ready to hear that. Sally, you know, it, it, time goes by so absolutely rapidly and especially when it's this packed with information. Um, what would be a, kind of a, a one-minute wrap-up of what you would ask parents to do? I would ask them to participate at all levels. I think that people tend to lose their energy at the high school level, and that's where I taught. And I, I understand, and sometimes I, I had very poor kids quite often, and their parents were working two or three jobs. They called me at home. I always, I would meet with them on a Saturday or a Sunday. And I, and I also think honor teachers. I worked in private industry for the first 25 years of my life. And I want to tell you, I never saw any harder working group of people than I did teachers. And they pay more taxes than I did. Uh, it's it's just amazing how we're and the administration. Everybody will always say, "Oh, the administration downtown is way heavy." I saw people literally. I saw one lady literally kill herself. She worked herself to death, and I had forty schools on my caseload. I had seven districts. I had. Um, people at these districts, they work so hard. I got to tell you, I was super impressed and I employed a lot of people. And of course you get the the uh, odd person, but you get bad plumbers, you get bad electricians, you get bad radio people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Such is it's, life. <laughs> it's such is life, but they're rare. Yeah. They're rare. And I, I just, we always note the ones that are bad. And, and that's another ring. If you have a problem with them, you need to go to the school. You need to go to the administration at your school level first and then work your way up. 
if it doesn't, if it's not satisfied with the answer. And don't just get your kid out of a class because he's whining. My mother was so wise. She said, you won't like all your te- employers and you won't like all your teachers. Learn to live with it. Sally, <clears throat> those are absolutely wise words. And, uh, you know, I think it only gives us a glimpse a glimpse into your inside story and your level of education. Thank you, Sally. <laughs> we hope to have you back sometime. Thank you. You've been listening to a KPOV Critical Conversation. To hear more engaging interviews on important topics, please visit kpov.org slash critical conversations.